this week, uh, for the next six weeks, including today, we are going to look at, uh, I think, one of the, the most impactful books in all of Scripture. And it's a letter that a guy that, that God had changed his life wrote to a guy that God brought along his path and he began to invest in and disciple and pour his life into. And, and God did some amazing things through him. And, and it's the book of 1 Timothy. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, you can open it up to 1 Timothy today. Uh, and, and, and here's what I want to challenge you to do. Here's, here's the roadmap of this entire series. Are you ready? We are going to look at one chapter of 1 Timothy every single week. So if we're in 1 Timothy 1 this week. Math teachers, what, chap, what, chap, what chapter will we be in next week? 1 Timothy 2. Okay, see how that works? It's that 1 plus math. So I want to challenge you this week to spend some time getting into the Word and spend some time studying through 1 Timothy so that when we gather together next week and we talk about, here's some things, some takeaways, some applications that we can see, it'll be, have a, that much more of a richer, deeper impact for you because you've allowed God more of a time, an extended period of time to speak these truths into your spirit through the week. Okay? So, I want to challenge you this week. Take a few moments every day and read through a chapter of 1 Timothy or read through 1 Timothy 2 at some point before next Sunday so that you're ready, okay? All right. So while you're there, I have a question for you. I want you to do something for me real quick. I want you to kind of think about your life for a moment. All right, I want to think about, I want you to ask yourself the question, what did it take for me to get here where I am today? Right? Think of all of the successes you've had, the failures you've had, the achievements that you've had in your life, and, and everything that's happened in your life has led to you being here and being the person that you are today. And I, if I was a betting man, I would bet that the reason you are who you are today is not because you got here by yourself. It's not because you got here on your own. Sure, you may have done some things on your own. You may have accomplished some things that were against the odds. But chances are, you are the person you are today because of people. Because somebody walked alongside of you. Because somebody took a chance on you. Because somebody stepped out and invested in you. Now, just physiologically, we all are here because of people, right? Your mom took a chance on your dad, and blah, 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 you're here, right? So all of us have that going for us. But even just for an, an emotional sense of who you are, a spiritual sense of who you are, chances are you didn't end up here by accident. You ended up where you are at this stage in your life because of people, and so when we look at this book, we are looking at a recorded history of someone named Paul that God had changed his life, laying the groundwork, the foundations, these fundamental teachings and principles of Jesus to a person that he saw something in, and a guy named Timothy, and then poured his life into, and then released him and unleashed him on the world. And so those teachings are what we see in these two letters, 1 and 2 Timothy. We're just going to focus on 1 Timothy today and for the next six weeks. some point, maybe in the future, we'll look at 2 Timothy. But for now, in this season, I think it's important that we look at 1 Timothy. And I'm calling this series Pass the Baton because this series, this letter, is, is literally 
Just Paul saying, here's everything that God has taught me about ministry. Here's everything that God has shown me through his people. And I want to pass this on to you because I want the ceiling of my life to be your floor. Right? I want, I want you to go even higher and do even greater things than I've done. And so this is all about Paul passing the baton of ministry leadership, passing the baton of discipleship to this guy named Timothy. And so I think it'd be doing maybe a little bit of a disservice if we didn't actually look at who Timothy really was and just jumped into these teachings. Because if you don't really stop for a moment and, and ask the, so yourself the question, who's this guy that Paul is writing this letter to? Because that's what this book is. It's a letter. It's almost like Paul's real-life seminary lessons given to Timothy. Then you'll miss out on some of this, okay? So what I've done is I put a little bit of back... I'm going to talk a little bit about Timothy's history, his background, who he is, and then we'll look at 1 Timothy 1 today. Is that okay? All right. So this book was a letter written by Paul to his protege, Timothy. Timothy was the son of a Greek father and a Jewish mother. And he joined Paul on one of Paul's later missionary journeys. Paul had already established himself as, as a missionary sent out by the church at the time to go and spread the gospel to what was known as the Gentiles, right? And it's very interesting. I think it's, it's something that if you just didn't look at who Timothy was, there'd be a big, significant feature that you would overlook, you wouldn't notice. But it's this, is that Timothy was the son of a Greek father and a Jewish mother, Essentially, Timothy was a mixed-race child that was discipled by a full-blooded Jew. And that doesn't seem very significant unless you look at the cultural context of the day in that Timothy was, a, was the race of people, the culture of people that Jesus had commanded Paul to go and make disciples of. If you remember the story in the book of Acts, Paul was this, this, this Jewish Pharisee religious leader that felt like there was this cult uprising of fringe Jews called the Christians that he was going to have a, 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 a part in stamp out. And so the story in the book of Acts goes that Paul set out to try to persecute murder what he saw, these fringe people who were interrupting the Jewish law because they'd followed this guy named Jesus that they thought that they had put an end to. But it turns out after they killed him, Jesus rose from the dead, fulfilling prophecy that he is the Messiah. But Jews refused to, to acknowledge that. And so the story goes that Paul was actually on his way to a town where he heard there was a bunch of Christians. And so he, as he's on his way to go out and, and basically round up all of these, in his mind, these fringe cult leaders and followers and snuff them out, Jesus, boom, shows up on the middle of the road as a white blinding light. And, his, and, and, and from that moment on, Paul's complete story was changed. His whole life was transformed because of that moment. And it goes on to say that, that Jesus commanded Paul, I want you to be my light, my voice to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were a mixed race of people that Jews refused to associate with. They saw them as impure. They saw them as, as like the uh, mongrels of society. And you know what the crazy thing was? Paul did it. Paul listened and he submitted to the lordship of Jesus. 
And he started to take the truth and the transformational news of Jesus to these people who'd never heard it before. And all of a sudden, these people that, that felt like all of the world around them had turned their backs on them and they felt like they were lower than any other segment of society started to find out, there's hope for me. I belong to somebody. And thousands and thousands and thousands of them start to come to know Jesus. So it's not insignificant. It's not a coincidence that Timothy is a, is a mixed race disciple of Jesus. Because Paul submitted, because Paul did what Jesus asked him to. And you know, the thing is, Timothy was probably no older than his late teens or early 20s when he joined Paul. But he kind of already begun to have a reputation as faithful and other elders in the church noticed him. Um, and, 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 mo- and a lot of historians say that he probably responded to the gospel when Paul came through the area of Derby or Lystra on his first missionary journey. And so what happened is Paul, Timothy kind of became Paul's intern and did what Paul asked him to do. Paul was, or Timothy was kind of like his associate pastor, right? And served alongside of him. And all of a sudden, as, as he goes through these missionary journeys and starts to establish churches in these different areas, he tells Timothy, I want you to go up and I want you to check on that church that we planted. And I want, to get, I want you to give them this message. So he kind of became Paul's representative to several different churches. And you see that in 1 Corinthians 4. You see that in Philippians 2. Um, and, he, and later on, he actually begins to pastor a church. In, uh, in the city of Ephesus, which was a very significant port city in the, in culturally in that time, historically in that time. And so he was also mentioned in a, a, quite, a few different, quite a few different of Paul's letters through 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, and even 1 and 2 Thessalonians and Philemon. And, and here's the thing. What I think amazes me is that Paul talks, when Paul talks about Timothy, in these different letters, you can almost hear like this father's pride that swells up in Paul, right? That's when he writes these letters to these churches and he mentions Timothy, it always comes with from the perspective of, okay, and I'm going to send Timothy to you. Things aren't really working out for you right now, but I know that when Timothy comes, everything's going to get straightened out and things will be all right because you can trust Timothy. I trust Timothy. That's, the, that's, that's what you can read from the tone of his letters, that there's such a deep belief in Timothy from Paul. And so we, we see that as we study his, his ministry and as we study these things, it's, it, it's a significant thing to understand perhaps part of Timothy's character as we look at this letter that Paul writes to him. So before we get into one, I want to give you a a kind of a quick overview of this entire book today as this seminary lesson, as as Paul is passing this baton on to Timothy. You can kind of see an overview of this entire book. And here's how it kind of goes. There's kind of like, kind of four major parts of this, this book. There's four major themes in this letter that, this lesson that Paul is handing off to Timothy. And as we look through each chapter every week, myself and the other people who are going to help teach this, this series, I think you're going to see some of these themes throughout it. Uh, the first major theme you see is the church and its message. 
So Paul talks to Timothy in this letter about the church and its message. If you're uh, a scripture studying type of person, these are great slides to take a photo of as you read through, and you can kind of see these themes going on. We'll upload and we'll put this on our website as well, so when you get your Wednesday email this week, you'll, get to, you'll have these notes included in it as well. But you see kind of three major parts of, of that first theme, and it's the teaching and sound doctrine, proclaiming the gospel, and defending the faith. And we're going to read through 1 Timothy 1 here in just a few moments too, so you actually get to see these three things touched on. But the second major theme you see in this, this seminary teaching to, to Timothy is the church and its members. And that's found in, in chapters 2 and 3. He talks about praying men. He talks about submitting women. He talks about qualified pastors. He talks about qualified deacons. He talks about behaving believers. And then the next major theme is found in chapter 4, and that's the church and its minister. And you see, he talks about what a good minister preaching the word looks like, what a godly, what to expect and what to uphold a godly minister practicing the word, what a growing minister progressing in the word looks like. And then verse, and then kind of the fourth theme of this is found in chapters five and six, and it's the church and its ministries. So then he begins to, to talk to Timothy and how to direct them and, and give instruction to, to older members, to older widows, to younger widows, to church officers, to servants or slaves, and to false teachers, and then to the pastor and to the rich. And then that's where we conclude 1 Timothy. So that's kind of a, a background, of a, just a quick background of who Timothy was, a quick overview of this entire letter that, that Paul is giving Timothy so that in the future when things get tough, and we know according to the history of Scripture that it's not long after this that Paul is arrested and eventually murdered because of his belief in Jesus. So this is literally him, his kind of last giving and passing of the baton to someone who Jesus had changed his life through Paul's ministry. So let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. I know a lot of you read from the NIV, so that's what you see displayed on the screen. Um, but you can kind of see where the, uh, and follow along, but that's uh, as, we, as we basically, we're just going to read the entire first chapter of 1 Timothy. Then we're going to look at some takeaways, and then we're going to have some application at the end today. And says this, this letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God, our Savior, and Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. I'm writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations, which don't help people live a life of faith in God. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers will be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. But some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't even know what they're talking about even though they speak so confidently. Sometimes I love the sarcasm of Paul, too. You pick up on that in a lot of his letters. 
We know that the law is good when used correctly, for the law was not intended for people who do what is right. It is for people who are lawless and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, and consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy, who kill their father or mother and commit other murders. The law is for people who are sexually immoral or who practice homosexuality or are slave traders, liars, promise breakers, or who do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. Verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Timothy, My son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Hymenaeus and Alexander are two examples. I threw them out and handed them over to Satan so that they might learn not to blaspheme God. So I think there's, th- there's a few takeaways that we can see from this. Some that we see directly from this letter. Some we see just knowing the history and the understanding of who Timothy was and where he came from and what he was a product of. So the first takeaway is that multiculturalism is the heart of God multiculturalism is at the heart of God. Now, what I don't mean is pluralism is at the heart of God. I do not mean that we accept and include all different aspects and religions of faith in the church. No, Jesus made it clear. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. But that message that he wants to come and redeem and save sinners is not for one particular socioeconomic class, not one particular demographic, not even one nation. That message of the gospel, that good news of Jesus is for every tribe and tongue on the earth. Multiculturalism. People from all corners of the earth worshiping God and celebrating the grace of Christ. Is it the heart of God? And so if multiculturalism is at the heart of God, if he created all tribes, tongues, and creeds in this world, Why is it that our churches don't express and reflect that in today's world? Why is it when we kind of step back and we look at our churches today, when we look at who is involved with the church, 
they're all sort of about the same. They're all about the same demographic level. They're all about the same cultural stance. They all kind of just find people that, that, that they just want to get along with and feel like they're part of them. I think if we as a church could understand and really apply this, that, that God has a heart for all people, from, from people who are from the lowest of the low socioeconomic class to the highest of the highest, to every single different ethnicity, then shouldn't that be reflected in our church? That's the first, take, that's the first thing I see. And I have to say, I don't think we do a great job of that. I think we do a great job of, of welcoming. You are one of the most hospitable churches I've ever been a part of. And every person I've ever talked to about our church has said, I never felt more at home in the second I came into your church. But I wonder how good we are at embracing multiculturalism as a church. How good we are at saying, we want to be a church that not only just welcomes people, but pursues people of all cultures, pursues people of all demographic and socioeconomic statuses. We're not just going to wait for them to show up. We're going to go out and we're going to find them. That's the first thing I see. The second thing, the second takeaway What Paul is doing in Timothy's life, Paul is living out Psalm 145, verse 4. So Paul is living out this psalm that we see. Go ahead and flip over there because I want this. This is a very significant psalm. This is a very significant piece of scripture. Psalm 145, verse 4. It says, Let every generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. Other translations of Scripture say, one generation proclaims your works to the next. You see, what Paul is doing is he is passing the baton of his ministry, of the authority that Christ has given him, to the next generation. Remember, Timothy was no, no older than his maybe early to mid-twenties whenever he was a part of this historically. So what, what, what the challenge is, is, is if, 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 if we really believe that this is of God, then we have to be a church that not just embraces and welcomes the next generation but doesn't limit what God can do through them. We don't put a ceiling on that next generation. I love the fact that I get to be a part of a church where we're led in worship by students who are in secondary school at this school. Corey, thank you for unleashing the next generation in our church. Timothy, Max, thank you for leading us into God's presence this morning. We want to be a church that unleashes the next generation. Third takeaway. The foundation of all discipleship is built on Jesus. So after Paul kind of gives his, just think of kind of the outline of this, this chapter that we just looked at. 
Paul kind of writes, addresses this letter, about two-thirds of this first chapter is kind of Paul's version of Dear Timothy, right? Paul was a little bit long-winded at times. He's also a little bit sarcastic and talks about his history. And he, that's part of the, okay, this is who I am, and I'm going to write this to you. What's the very first thing that he talks about to Timothy? He lays that foundation of this is Jesus and you can trust him to do anything he says he can do. And so the foundation of all discipleship is Jesus. That's where he begins this letter and that's where you should begin your discipleship journey. So those are kind of big takeaways that I see. as we kind of really take an overview of this entire book, as we focus a little bit on chapter one today, and as we see these, these three things that we can pull out, I think there's some things that you can apply. And I want you to begin to uh, ask yourself and begin to apply this as we, through the next six weeks, walk through this whole book. And here's the question, the, the application uh, for this entire series. Are you ready? It's very, very hard. So get ready to take a lot of notes. Here's what it is. Who is your Timothy? Or who's your Paul? Here's what I mean by that. Who is somebody that is the next generation that you can walk alongside and say, look what Jesus did in my life. And look at what he wants to do in yours. Let's walk together and let's see where God takes us. And you begin to meet with this person. Not every day. You don't invite them to live with you if you don't want to. But it's, you go out for coffee with them. You meet up with them. You say, hey, let's read through this book together. Hey, I've got, I, was, I was reading this book and I, and, and I thought of, God made me think of you. I think you should read this. Hey, what's something I can pray for you about? Hey, I know that you are struggling with this. How's it going this week? I know your aunt didn't get a very good medical consult. How's, how's everything going? Congratulations on that promotion. I'm so proud of you. Who's somebody in your life that is the next generation behind you that you can walk alongside and say, I believe in you. Maybe it's one of your students. Maybe it's, one of, maybe it's an underclassman. Maybe it's that new person in your office. Maybe it's your cousin. But I have to believe that there are Timothys in your life right now. And then the next question is, who's your Paul? Or who's somebody in your life that there are things about them that you admire? There's, you see how they, 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 they lead their family. You see how, how they're, a, they're, they're such a, a compassionate, strong, caring husband. You see how much they love and care for their children. You see them as someone who's ahead of you spiritually. There's someone there, and, and where they're going is where you want to go. It's who, and who they are is, they, you see character qualities in them. You see traits in them that you're like, I want that. 
Who's somebody that you can swallow your pride, admit for a little bit that you're not where you want to be, and walk alongside them and say, hey, there's some things about you that I really admire because I see you submitting to the lordship of Jesus in this part of your life. Would it be okay if I could just sit down over a bowl of noodles and ask you some questions? How do you handle this? Like, how do you, how do you, how, how do, why are your kids so well behaved? You, how do you handle this particular relationship and, 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 and structure in an office? Right? Because I think for all of us in our life, we need, as we follow Jesus, we need a Timothy, someone that we can come alongside and encourage and speak life into and, and, and almost be like in that old school Nintendo game, be their turbo boost that shoots them ahead, right? Mario Kart, is anybody a big fan of Mario Kart? Yes, I've been way too many hours spent in Mario Kart during my youth, but um, you can be a turbo boost for them in their spiritual journey. You need someone in your life that you can, for a season or however long God provides, be that person to them. But you also need someone who's ahead of you that you can look up to, that you can confide in, that you can walk through this world with, who can guide you. Someone who's run one or two more laps than you. Who can give you wisdom. All of us need a Timothy as we follow Jesus. All of us need a Paul as we follow Jesus. So, throughout the next six weeks, I want you to begin to ask yourself this question. Who is my Timothy? And who is my Paul? Maybe for some of you, you have that already. That's great. Begin to ask your Timothy. Hey, who's your Timothy? Who's somebody that you can pass this on to? But you know what it takes? It takes a portion of humility and courage to make this happen. It takes a dose of you being humble enough to admit that you don't have it all together and to kind of expose that weakness in your life to somebody. It also takes a portion of of a dosage of courage for you to walk that out. And you know what? There is a real possibility that either the person you think is supposed to be your Timothy or the person you think is supposed to be your Paul, when you go out on a limb and you step out and you say to them, hey, will you invest in me? Or, hey, I think I see something in you. What if we meet together? And they say, nah, I'm okay. That can happen. That's a real chance. And if it does, I'm sorry. But let's just shake it off and keep going. Find somebody else. Because again, your faith is personal, but it's not private. Your faith is personal, but it is not private. It is not something you keep. So uh, coming back to that beginning question, chances are you are who you are today because of somebody. For me, I can almost boil, I can boil it down to almost basically three people. There's been three people in my life 
major players who got me to where I am today. The first person is John Metters. I've told this story before. John was on my baseball team, and he was persistent in inviting me to his church, and I finally went, and I finally felt like for the first time in my life, I walked into a room and I belonged. John was kind of my on-ramp to Christianity as a, 16, as a 14-year-old. The second person in my life who was really a Paul to me was my former youth pastor. His name's Jim. Jim saw some things in me that I didn't see in me. And he believed in me and he sacrificed time for me and he picked me up as a 15-year-old who couldn't drive in America. He picked me up and we'd go to Brahms fast food for breakfast every Tuesday morning and he discipled me and we'd walk through the scriptures together and he'd pray for me. And, and Jim, Jim for, for almost 25 years now, has been a guy that I can go to whenever things are not easy. Whenever, whenever I would face situations in ministry uh, throughout my years as a youth pastor, whenever things were, would, weren't going well, I could call up Jim and I knew I'd always get through to him. Even when he moved to different states and when he, he took on different positions, I, would, I could still call him and say, Jim, I'm struggling with this. What, what do I do? And Jim would just give me some basic sound wisdom that he had experienced through years of running a couple laps ahead of me. And then the third person who, who God used to make me who I am is Brother Ben Rao. Ben was a, at the time, he was a 78-year-old retired pastor, associate pastor at the last church I was a youth pastor at. And here's the secret. You don't ever really retire from ministry, right? He had, he had been a, a senior pastor for 30, 40 years, retired, and then worked part-time at this church that I was a part of uh, as the associate pastor, which basically meant he would come and he would lead the senior Bible study on Wednesday nights, and then on Thursday, he would go visit people in the hospital. And that was kind of his job, Right? And so um, sometimes no, there's nobody who's sick in the hospital. So Ben would come and he would just sit in his office and he would study scripture and he would, he would invest in people. And so there were some things I guess he saw in me that I didn't see. So he started inviting me into his office every Thursday morning. And we would drink this awful instant coffee that he loved and he would just talk to me and tell me stories of 40 years of, of ministry. 40, 50 years of God's faithfulness in his life. And it was through him and conversations with him that God led me down the road to church planting. But it's because of these significant people that God brought to me along the way who took a chance and, 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 and took a chance and stepped out and invited me to something or believed in me or saw something in me that I am who I am today. So who is it that can be your Timothy That's the question today. And that's what I want to leave you with. Who is it that God is calling to be your Timothy? Or who is it that God wants to be your Paul? Again, it's going to take a dose of courage. It's going to take a dose of humility on your part to step out 
And chances are, you're not going to get to be a, a Timothy or a Paul to someone within the context of a 75-minute worship service. You're probably going to have to meet with people outside of the, time, the designated time for church to be the church to other people. So, here's why I just want to close this with this real quick. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I just want you to begin to ask God these questions. God, who do you who who is a Timothy to me? Who is somebody in my life that you are calling me to invest some time in, invest encouragement in? invest my life in. God, who is somebody in my life that needs to be a Paul to me? Who's somebody that I see is a couple laps ahead of where I am? And I want to I, I have the same qualities that this person has. I want you to begin to pray for those people. I want you to begin to pray into those relationships. I want you to ask God to give you opportunities to put you in that Paul-Timothy relationship. And as, as the band comes up and we, we begin to sing a, a response song to close out today, I want you to begin this journey of asking the Lord, what is it through this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy that, that you are trying to show me in regards to who is my Timothy and who is my Paul? You know, there's a good chance that your Timothy may not be in the same income bracket that you are. And that's okay. They may not have the same earning power that you do. They may not have the same education that you do. I guarantee you that Timothy did not have the same upbringing and education background that Paul did. He was not provided that luxury. It was not an easy ask for Paul. He perhaps risked a little bit of humiliation, a little bit of, of people talking. Can you, hey, did you see Paul? He was hanging out with that, that half Greek, half Jew kid. What's that all about? I thought, I thought Paul believed that, that salvation was for the Greeks. I thought that Paul was a true, tried and true good Jew. It probably risked some of Paul's street cred to reach out to Timothy. But I can guarantee you that thousands of people's lives were impacted through the ministry of Timothy because of the faithfulness and the courage of Paul. So who is it? God, I pray you would put a face in each spirit of every person hearing this sermon right now. That right now, right now, 
they know without a doubt this is the person that you've placed in my life that you want me to pour into. This is, this is who you're calling to be my Timothy. And I, don't, I feel completely underqualified to do it. But it's not about our qualification. It's about your sufficiency. God, I pray right now that you put a face with every person. You're calling us to step out and ask to be our Paul. Someone who's run a few more laps than we have in this race. And that we would have to swallow our pride and then, and then be a little bit humble and say, I don't have it all together. Is it okay if we could meet and I could, uh, I could ask you a few questions and we could begin to study some things together? Because I, I really see God doing things in your life in this area that I want to be a part of, that I want Him to do in my life. I pray you put that face in our spirit right now. God, we pray into both of those faces. Pray into both of those people. God, it's not, it's not like you to only work in us and not work in them. You're not a God of confusion. But if you're working in me and, and showing me these people, chances are you're working in them and their life and, in, and, and, and setting up circumstances and setting up opportunities and setting up events that, that will be an absolute God-ordained moment when the things happen at the right time. That's just how you work. It's just how you work. And we're thankful that you do work. We're thankful that you haven't given up on us. Even though you have every right, we don't, you don't walk away from us. And Jesus, you are good. good so we give back to you the only thing really that we have to give and that's our worship so God as we respond to you in this song today may our lives be a bigger response as this week we take a chance and step out of the comforts and into the unknown of those two faces and as we go on this journey of 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 looking at how Paul is passing this baton to the next generation. Would you inspire things in us and show and reveal and show and things in us that we need to change about us? Lord, we give you this time. We pray you'd receive this worship. It will be honoring to you of what you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me? Let's sing and let's worship the Lord for what he's doing.